So whilst relationships of every kind have an enormous impact on our lives, it's arguably the, the intimate relationships we have with a partner, a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or even that on-again, off-again lover that tends to, to occupy the most of our headspace. And for some, being in a relationship can feel like the, the ultimate place of safety and security, a wonderful place of, of sharing and contentment. But for others, it can feel, well, a bit more like a prison sentence in which they feel very trapped. In the same way, whilst for some people being single is a, a breath of fresh air and a, a land of opportunity, for others it's a terrifying, even lonely experience where the grass always appears greener for those in a relationship. So it's all about perspective, but no matter how we view relationships, the one thing we can't deny is what a massive part of our life they are. And that's because we so often associate them with our feelings of happiness, fulfilment and well-being. And whilst there's undoubtedly some truth in this link, it's not quite as straightforward as it first appears. So in order to understand this equation fully, it's important to look at the, the dynamics at play in our own mind. What's the, the cause of happiness? What's the cause of unhappiness? And can our own happiness really be dependent on being in a relationship with someone else? If we believe, if we really do believe our happiness is dependent on another person or finding another person, then it's no surprise that relationships are such an emotional minefield. And it's no wonder that people have such a tough time with them. That's just it's so much pressure to put on anything, never mind on another person. Now, of course, you may well be in a very committed, happy and healthy relationship right now. And that's a wonderful thing, a precious thing. But sometimes even the most positive of relationships, can we can find elements of fear, of worry, of anger, frustration, or just all those usual little niggles that come up between people from time to time. Now, there's some great research on this link between happiness and relationship. But before I move on to that, I'd like to just sort of map out what I think are four essential elements of any relationship. And the starting place is realising that all relationships have an element of insecurity and occasional discomfort. Now, I realise that could sound potentially like a, a depressing place to begin, but actually it's a, it's a very simple truth that actually has the potential to make our relationships feel a lot freer. It's not something to worry about, to obsess about. It's not that you're doing anything wrong or that your partner's doing anything wrong, necessarily. It's simply how it is. We're all different. And no matter how much we might love someone, care for someone, even worship someone, at some stage we might do something to offend them or disappoint them, unless you really are perfect, of course. It doesn't make us a bad person. It just makes us human. So if we can start our relationships in this place, knowing that sometimes they can be a little bit difficult, a little bit awkward, uh, that sometimes we might get hurt, within a relationship, then actually we're starting with a very realistic expectation and quite a happy mind. We're respecting the dynamics of, of the human mind, of yours, the other person's, and ultimately the interaction between the two of you as well. Now the second element is that a lot of tension in relationships comes from trying to make the relationship perfect or trying to make the other person perfect. So in hanging on to these things that we want and pushing away the things that we don't, we can sometimes even push away the other person. So it's only natural, right, that we, that we want the best of everything, and, and why wouldn't we? The only 
problem with that is that when we start to project our own ideas of perfection onto the relationship, we tend to forget that there are two people in the mix. And when we project our own ideas of perfection onto the other person, then we're really in trouble. Because we're no longer allowing that person to be who they are. We're trying to make them something or someone that suits us. And in doing that, in pushing to make that happen, no matter how subtly, discreetly or indirect you might make it, is always going to be the basis for conflict. And this is a funny thing. So based on the inherent discomfort in a relationship, we try to make things comfortable. But in trying too hard to make things comfortable, we actually end up making things even more uncomfortable, such as the, uh, the neurosis, I guess, of the human mind. So how could we ever relax when we're trying to make things perfect? How can we relax when we're resisting the basic nature of another person? And how can they relax when we're always doing both to them? So just recognizing and respecting your differences whilst at the same time embracing your similarities, that allows a relationship to exist for what it is rather than for what you want it to be. So when both people in the relationship are coming from this place, then I think a relationship really does have the potential to be a, an amazing journey. Now, the third element is realizing that there really is such a thing as a happy relationship and it's found in the happiness of your own mind. So it's not at all uncommon for two people to get together, both unhappy or a little unhappy, and both convinced that a relationship is going to make them happy. Now, whilst I've never been the greatest mathematician, common sense says that one unhappy person plus another unhappy person makes two unhappy people rather than two happy people. So for a relationship to work, for it to really live and breathe, we've got to be happy and content in our own mind and, our, and in our own life with or without another person. It's so easy to, to blame other people for our own unhappiness, but rarely does that get us anywhere, and often it causes a lot of hurt for the other person in the meantime. So this might sound like a scary thought, but it really doesn't need to be, as it simply involves training the mind. Because although happiness is an innate quality that we get to, to experience once in a while, hopefully very often, it's a little bit hit or miss, so we need to, to point the mind in the right direction. We need to familiarise ourselves with that feeling of happiness, to get to know it and to become stable in it. When that happens, then we truly can be happy in a relationship. So, of course, hopefully the other person will also be happy and content in their life too, but even if they're not, if we're happy and content in our own life, then, well, hopefully we'll have the reserves and the strength to support them through their unhappiness. So I guess the final kind of element is really looking, okay, well, how do we, how do we go about training the mind? And it doesn't really, well, it doesn't, I just, it doesn't involve reading lots of books or conceptualizing or discussion as enjoyable as all these things are, because in the same way that you need to get your hands dirty in a kitchen to learn how to cook rather than just reading the cookery book, to really understand the mind and to understand happiness, we actually have to, to watch the mind, to observe the mind, and to experience it in a very direct way. So in order to become comfortable or to, to become at ease with the mind, 
we have to find a way of witnessing it in a very sort of objective way. And scientists generally agree that the most simple and straightforward way of doing this is to learn the, the technique of mindfulness. So you may, sometimes you hear it described as mindfulness, sometimes meditation. It's funny really because most people think of meditation as a very isolated exercise and perhaps not really relevant to the people around them. But of course how we are affects those around us. When we're happy, healthy and at ease with ourselves, then it allows people around us to be equally happy, healthy and at ease. So interestingly, the, the research, the scientific research, actually backs this up and it shows that the, the happier we are as an individual, the more likely it is that we'll find a, a romantic partner. It also shows that the, the happier we are as an individual, the more likely we are to be in a, a long-lasting relationship or marriage. So there's clearly some link between our own happiness and the relationships that we have in our life. And training the mind in this technique of mindfulness has been shown to significantly increase happiness and our overall feeling of well-being by reducing some of the more challenging emotions, whether that's worry or sadness, whether it's anger, frustration, whatever it might be that's getting in the way of your relationship. So by training the mind to be happy, you're actually giving yourself the opportunity to develop a very positive loop where happiness leads to relationships, which in turn leads to more happiness. Now, the technique of mindfulness has also been found to help prevent what's known as the stress response. And if your relationship is anything like most people's, then from time to time, you're going to experience a stress response. It might be a feeling from within yourself or something that you're on the receiving end of. But as the name suggests, this, this happens when we get very sort of agitated or frustrated. It sets off all kinds of alarm bells in the body, which causes the release of harmful chemicals. It raises our blood pressure. And depending on our, our personality, our conditioning, it may well lead to some kind of outburst as well. And we all know that it's often that it's those closest to us who are, are usually on the end of that outburst. So... Interestingly, when they studied this technique of mindfulness, they found that not only does it prevent the stress response from arising, but it actually evokes something known as the, the relaxation response, which has the exact opposite effect on both the body and the mind. There's a really interesting bit of research come out of uh, UCLA just recently that found that having trained people to be more mindful, more aware of their emotions, which is a key element of training in mindfulness, they not only experienced reduced negative emotions, but they also reduced the intensity and expression of negativity. And those are the things which can lead to really quite destructive conflict within a relationship. So the exciting thing about this is that it means negative behavior from one person doesn't have to lead to a full-blown conflict. If at least one person is able to maintain a sense of emotional stability and perspective, then there's a pretty good chance that conflict in a relationship can be averted or at least reduced in some way. So it's worth looking again at the science and, and why these things kind of happen as a result of training the mind. How is it that in simply sitting to observe the mind, we can create these changes? 
And I guess one of the, the first things we, we learn in mindfulness or meditation is how to gain an insight into how and why we think and feel the way we do. I guess you could call it greater awareness. We also become more in touch with our feelings and our thoughts, so we can understand and articulate more easily what we're feeling, which is essential in any relationship. Trust me, ask your, ask your partner. In fact, neuroscientists from Harvard found that the part of the brain involved in being aware of our feelings, something called the, the insula, was actually thicker in meditators than in non-meditators, suggesting that the changes are more than just psychological. So there's something actually physiological happening to the body. But of course, the, the other important part, I think arguably even more important, is that in training the mind, we become more self-aware, we become more aware of our own thoughts and feelings, but we actually become more aware of others feelings as well so this means that if we understand our own mind and our own feelings our our own insecurities if you like we begin to understand those of others as well so this enables us to be more empathetic to be more understanding to be more patient to be more kind it sounds so obvious and yet so few people actually take the time out of their day to just sit to observe the mind and to get to know their own feelings can sometimes feel a little bit wishy-washy and uh, maybe a bit new agey but actually understanding how we feel is an essential part of living as a human being and it's so much more preferable than living with this running commentary in the mind which can often be very sort of critical and judgmental so ultimately mindfulness takes us to a place of acceptance in a relationship not necessarily acceptance whereby everything is okay that's not what acceptance means acceptance means knowing and understanding a situation for what it is taking action where appropriate but at the same time being able to step back and allow thoughts and feelings to come and go without getting caught up in them or swept away by such powerful emotions and just in case you're still not quite convinced about the importance of training the mind in mindfulness, before I leave, I'd just like to share with you uh, a really nice bit of research that came out from the US that found that men with lower levels of stress hormone are that much more attractive to women. And interestingly, the same study found no direct link between the sex hormone testosterone and sex appeal or attractiveness, which is, I guess, where most of us would make the association. So whilst this isn't an excuse to, to give up the gym, it is most definitely a good reason to start taking 10 minutes out of each day to train the mind, finding a way to avoid the stress response and instead learning how to switch on the relaxation response. <laughs> 